I haven't met a single person who once God has really taken hold of their heart that doesn't want to get baptized. I've never met a person. It's spirit led. I mean, you should. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, it goes to that argument. Faith that works is dead. So does that mean that you have to have works to have faith? No, it's saying that if you don't have works, then I can tell that you don't have faith. You know, it's, it, it, it's that, that thing that comes from this thing. Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And suddenly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say. I got something to say. I got something to say to the world. And I got place to make. I got steps to take. I got cakes to bake. I got shoes to tie. I got mountains to climb. I got things that I really strive to do just before I die, huh? So I'ma do all that I'm called to do, I'ma call on you so you could recall it to memory when you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king, he's the one giving you everything, every good thing that you got, everything that you not, when you think that you hot, he's the one at the top that can make it all stop, he started it all from the therapy. Welcome to the Milk and Me podcast, my name is Andrew Krimkovich and I have my brother in Christ, he was my brother in arms, <laughs> uh, and now by the grace of God, he's my brother in Christ and he's recording from Ohio. So I'll let him introduce himself, uh, Pastor Tony. Go for it. I'm experiencing a ton of technical issues because me and my infinite haste this morning, I left my camera at church. But great intro, um, thank you, Tony. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm the pastor at the church on Detroit here in Bell Fountain, Ohio. I'm uh, as uh, Andrew. Andrew, I can't get over. I'm not going to call you Andrew. As my brother Krem said, we were uh, we served together in the Marine Corps, and uh, we uh, have just in the last few years rekindled our friendship uh, on the other side of eternity and the faith-based understanding that uh, Christ is our Savior, and we are um, on Team Jesus, so to speak. And uh, it's been a wonderful time um, growing together. And speaking and conversing and and just having wonderful conversations about what God's doing in our in our in our lives. But uh, yeah, I have a uh, a passion for learning, and uh, I f- I feel we can learn from all sorts and all types. And Krim uh, has been instrumental in in pushing me to help grow by asking questions. So yeah, it's been wonderful. It's been good. I like questions. Um, <laughs> No, it was interesting because we we reconnected when I saw you posting something about your services. And I was like, wait, Tony's a Christian? (laughs) I didn't know because it's like there's been just there's been a handful of people since we got out that I've seen on their page any essence or resemblance of the faith where I was able to kind of dig in and find out like, well, what happened? And there's some people that are like, man, you know, open the Bible and everything's been different since then. Or other people just said, you know, God did something and here I am, I'm faithful now and I know him and I'm like, what? But it's such a small group. I mean, in our squadron, we had what, 200, 250, sometimes 300 people. Yeah. Out of all that, I've only come across two people out of our squadron that know Christ. And there might be others that I'm not connected to that Mm -hmm. do, but predominantly it's like out of 250 that I'm very familiar with for what, two deployments, all that training, all that nonsense we were going through, about two or three people. Uh, And that's, that kind of just goes to show like how few people in general end up coming to Christ. And that's, that just gets me wanting to kind of go out and say whatever I can. Cause I really want people to hear the truth. But, um, but yeah, just seeing you post something and then I reached out 
and found out you're pastoring and I was like, oh man. And then from there, we just kept going. So um, what, uh, what I had a chance, was it today? No, it was yesterday. Yesterday I recorded with, with my pastor uh, an episode on the gospel. And he, he goes, he went in it and we kind of kind of tackled some of the wrong views that people have. Like I came out of an apostolic church where the teaching is, what's the gospel? And they literally say, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll be forgiven. Uh, you'll be, uh, wow, and for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's literally the gospel verse. And, and coming out of that and realizing, wow, doctrine is so much deeper, so much, the breadth is so much greater, and realizing, you know, the gospel is more rather John 3.16 or... 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 11, like the gospel is the spelling out of what good thing Christ has done for sinners, mm -hmm. like the good accomplished work, tetelestai, like it's been yeah. done, oh, it's yeah. been finished, that's the gospel. The gospel is not, all right, all right, you got to do this, do that. The gospel is, here's the proclamation, this has been done. And kind of being able to go through that with my pastor, it was, it was interesting just to hear him being able to agree. And he's coming at it from uh, an Armenian stance. Um, I'm I'm reformed. I'm reformed Calvinist. I'm in disagreement with some aspects of Arminianism. Uh, but thankfully, if you have a faithful pastor that even if they don't fall into the reform camp, uh, they, they can spell out the gospel and they understand the importance of it and, and, and how to go out and evangelize it correctly. Um, and he's, he's one of those that I can faithfully kind of talk to and work through things. And because there, there's no there's no over-exaggeration in this direction. There's no over-exaggeration in that. It's, it's, it's faithful by the book. He's going to go verse by verse. He's going to explain it. He's going to call every whosoever will. And that's good. Do that. Go at that. But he's also seen how some people teach the wrong thing. Like the gospel is get baptized, do this, and don't mess up. Or that's, that's the teaching a lot of people have been surrounded by. The gospel has become better. The gospel is stop sinning. That's not the gospel. It's terrible news for a bunch of people that are wretched and depraved. I mean, telling a sinner to not be a sinner. Yeah, what does Paul say? The, the, yeah. the law is written so that we are aware that we have sin, not to save us from our sins. Yeah. Uh, there's no act in the law that's going to save oneself. It is The gospel is, despite my ability for inaction, Christ took action on my yeah. behalf. That's the gospel. Not, not, not on my behalf that I've done something, but on... Christ that he's he's stepped in as that propitiation that mediator between the wrath of God and and myself that's the gospel that's the yeah. true uh unadulterated unblemished gospel but but people don't like that because no they don't it, it's, it's not, something not about human pride something about human pride yeah, yeah even yeah. though it's like it's a free gift it's like we're finding a way to earn it anyway or to deserve it and even yeah. if we can't do anything it's like it's like the way someone receives it they have to have like the perfect cupped hands it's like just come get it like if you hear the message run to it in your faith if you don't run to it you don't have faith if you don't think it's important then you're still proud or still hardened to it like the idea is you hear this incredible message what is your response mm -hmm. it's never about you know you know do some backflips spiritual backflips impress god and god sees the most wicked things that go on in the minds of his believers and in non-believers he sees that he sees the fullness of it before a word is on my tongue lord you know it completely before you even mm -hmm. say what you want to say he already knows the full intention of your heart whatever it might be whether it's to deceive someone whether it's to show off whether it's to compliment someone whatever it might be god knows the fullness of it for us to even think we can like articulate a prayer in a super spiritual way and then god's going to be like wow 
That was beautiful. He knows the wicked way we speak to our neighbor or the crazy stuff we do when we want to kick the dog. Like we, we behave like animals. And then when we get into a religious setting, I'm not saying we, in general, I'm saying hypocritically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll see people like, oh, sometimes it's not about criticizing prayer. It's not. But when you know somebody, you minister with them, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. And then you hear them lead prayer and they're like a whole different person. Oh, yeah. It's like, why are you doing that? Like you just hear them like put on this whole different voice. And it's like, don't you realize that you're supposed to be you in prayer? You're not impressing God. And I know there's this there's language that I'll use with God when I when I pray that I I don't use. Like I'm I'm talking about his holiness, his majesty. I don't talk about anyone else like that. Yeah, you're not disrespectful anyone's. in your yeah. prayer, but you're There's also authentic. Exactly. And I think sometimes prayer. people kind of dress it up and I see a lot yeah. of that and I just wonder like, is it because they, they don't see themselves as accepted in the middle of their own quirks and their own style? And so I just think sometimes people get put into this mold, like be a Christian and this is what you need to look like and it better be clean and don't let there be a single... No, no IPs. <laughs> let there be no yeah. no threads coming oh, yeah. off oh, you. Yeah. Like let it let it be clean, pristine. And then people are scared to trip up or maybe even like say something funny or and it's just like that mold doesn't help anyone. It hurts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's done personally out of just a preference. If someone puts that restriction on themselves, Romans 14, if you want to restrict yourself to something, restrict yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't walk around restricting everybody else. Yeah, because <laughs> Paul explicitly describes that as being the weak. Yeah, the weaker man, um, because if it's not the, the the idea of Christian liberty in that is that if it's not explicitly uh, laid out in the scriptures, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's a hundred percent off limits. That's that's self conviction involved there, mm-hmm. um, and traditions and things like that. But just because somebody else doesn't have the same convictions of you in that, doesn't mean necessarily it's a sin. Now, if you mm-hmm. have a conviction against such things that aren't specifically addressed in scripture so as to thinking that that thing you're doing is sinning and you do it anyway though it's not explicitly described as sin in the scriptures you and a sinful heart are doing that therefore you are sinning so that that also needs to be uh, stated but we are not to call call extra things into the specific order of what it means to be a follower of Christ and to live accordingly uh, to his righteousness you know teaching the doctrines of men as if they're mm-hmm. commands of God. That's what yes. Pharisees did. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's probably, you know, there's Pharisees. There's, there's religious people that probably did things out of a right aim, just with wrong, like, what is it? Good intention, poor judgment, stuff you hear in the The road to hell the is paved to good intentions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like they're yeah. trying for good reasons. They either got the wrong info, the wrong teaching, the wrong understanding. Um, but I see that, and it's kind of destructive. Because now, now when I try to clarify the freeness of the gospel, not like, man, just go through Romans. The freeness of the gospel does yeah. not say, go sin now that you can sin. It literally says, don't. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't mean, uh, all right, all shackles off, do whatever. That's not, the, that's not what we're talking Paul about. Paul says in, in relation to the law, what, so be it, shall we continue sinning? No. no i can almost exactly. see him saying what the like where does what are you doing like h no like you know like yeah, no absolutely. by no means he says by no means uh, he says that more you, than once yeah. yeah um what is the fruit of the the spirit in galatians he speaks and he says against such things there is no law so if you are living in accordance with the spirit and the spirit's fruit is active in your life then you will not be breaking laws 
um, what is that antinomianism? Yeah, is that that's that one that doesn't where, matter anymore. Just don't know. Yeah, do whatever it. you want. You're saved no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 a heresy from what? From hell. Uh, eighth, <laughs> it's from the eighth first, or ninth century. It, it was already there in the first century. I mean, if if yeah. Paul's already speaking oh yeah, he's at addressing it, to it. Yeah, he's addressing it. It's already there. I mean, there was already mm-hmm. people that were saying, you know, Christ never came in the flesh. He was a figment of the imagination. Uh, or Romans like, 3 speaks to that. Yeah. So it's like all of these things that we have a problem with now, they weren't mm-hmm. really born. They were just like with power moving into the church in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth century. But they were yeah, already yeah. there when Paul was rebuking them in what? What was it? Uh, 80 AD? Like yeah. 70, oh, yeah. 80. They were already there. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's like yeah. they, we have the same problems. And I was reading through Calvin's Institute, so it was wonderful just to see him say, you know, there are no new heresies. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, are there not new heresies? And I looked at what Mormonism is. I was like, man, Mormonism was what happened in the Garden of Eden. They tried to become God. Like, it was mm-hmm. right there. Well, everything, <laughs> everything boils down to that one yeah. thing. Every sinful act, every sinful desire boils down to the simple fact that man wants to be God. Yeah. And it comes, you know, even, even an Arminian prays as though he's a Calvinist because when they're praying, they want God to move despite other people. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, like do something. that person. Do something that make they him, can't make do. Make them to see, yeah. And so it's like you're praying as a Calvinist, like as is scriptural, you know, and it's, we, we use that term Calvin, but uh, that, it, that's just the person who at that time was defending biblical God, truths. God's sovereignty. Um, yeah. and, and that's the thing is the, the first temptation that you will know you will not surely die. You will become like God, you know, and then now we want sovereignty over our lives. We want to be our saviors. We want to be the David to our story. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it plays out. And as Americans, it's extremely hard not to be the hero. Oh, I mean, with this, with the, with American dream mentality kind of in, oh, yeah. in, into our history, mm-hmm. that's all that people want. People travel across the globe to go to school in America. Yeah. I mean, if you think sure. about it, yeah, there's some great universities here, but there's some great ones in Europe too. <laughs> like people oh, yeah. travel here we, because they're like, America's got it all. I'm like, it really we don't doesn't. have a monopoly on education. Yeah, we don't. Um, we have a monopoly on the on the criminal justice system. We got yeah. the most. We got the most incarcerations, I think, here. Yeah, and we got that. Because if you give people freedoms, they'll they'll use those freedoms to do bad things. You know, it's kind of messed up since you know since there's somewhat of a free fall on this conversation it was it was kind of uh i, I felt disgusted uh, i don't know the names or the circumstances necessarily surrounding it, but i saw this this thing where this young man uh i don't know he was like 20 something years old and um he got eight eight years probation for multiple sexual assault and rape charges um within 2017 2018 period and the article said that he was he was not given any jail time because it came from money. And I can see that. Like, I could kind of see, like, yes, money will get you out of that. But when you think about it, it's like the victims were there and he was let off the chain. Like, he was just, he didn't have to go to jail. And when you see that, I just keep hearing the same scripture coming up. Like, when, when evil isn't punished... Uh, when, when justice isn't served, like evil increases. I think it's in mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes or Proverbs. Yeah. And it's like, I see so much of that. When someone doesn't get a death penalty for a crime where they took someone's life intentionally, it's like when they don't get the death penalty, 
Like people don't fear to ever do that. People don't fear to ever harm someone, to ever take someone's life. Murder is not this terribly frightening thing now to some people because they know they can maybe do 20 years, maybe 15 years later, they get parole. They can live their life. They intentionally took someone else's. So when we don't punish evil the way that we should, evil just continues to get worse and worse. And to see a young man that actually was able to take advantage of three or four young ladies and to literally walk out without ever even touching a jail cell, mm-hmm. there's something there's something horrible and off in so many ways about that. There's something very vile about that. Yeah, and now here's the thing. For, for the non-Christian, where is the moral standard for such injustice? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, for us, yeah, that is a grave, uh, a grave uh, misstep on, on justice's part. But we also know that in the end, God's justice reigns supreme. So whether you or you face judgment here in the in the civil uh, physical realm, you will ultimately face justice on uh, at the end end of days. Yeah. But that's that's a good uh, jumping point that, that almost everyone. And if not, if they don't agree, then they need to see a padded cell that that is a grave injustice taking place. Um, but, you know, where's, where's, the, where's the moral standard for that injustice? Where does that come from? Um, strictly, it comes from God and, and the law that has been written on our hearts. Um, but, yeah, we live in a time where, uh, and Scripture, I was just trying to find it in Colossians, where uh, it talks about the preeminence uh, uh, of God being the firstborn and through him himself, all things are reconciled. And uh, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. That's the thing is that those apart from Christ are hostile and, and living uh, their wills aligned with the will of sin. Um, they're hostile to things that are holy and hostile towards things that aren't reconciled unto God. Uh, and then, and uh, I think it's in second Timothy, God says he will give them over to that. Um, to their, and again, it speaks of this in Romans uh, several times where God will uh, give them over to their lusts and their desires and evil will repay evil with evil and more and more wickedness will reign. Um, Just like um, second Timothy. I love this section because it's a teaching to, from Paul to Timothy was pastoring. And if I'm not mistaken, Timothy's pastoring in Ephesus and in, uh, in the last few verses of chapter 2 in 2 Timothy, uh, verses 23 to 26, it says, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. So don't argue about meaningless stuff. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when, ra- when wronged, mm-hmm. with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they yep. may come to their senses and escape from the snare or the trap of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That speaks a volume about where people stand when they're not Christians. You stand in a condition of slavery to sin. I mean, you just, you can't free yourself. You, you don't get freed until God gives you that, grants you that repentance. Until he grants you that repentance, you, you can't set yourself free. You can't escape from the trap that you've been held captive by to do the will of the devil, which is any opposition to God and his truth. I mean, it could be colorful. It could be humanism. It could be anything. It could be kind atheism. As long as it rejects God and his truth, 
the fact that we stand and we live and we are in the presence of God Almighty and he is the judge of all life and all this world. And he's created us for his glory. So anything that opposes him even to a smidgen is immediately worthy of being eliminated. When, when we live that way, we don't, it's like people don't believe that. They really think like, you know, I'm a good person. It's like, but mm-hmm. are you living according to what you are literally created to live for the glory of God. And people think, you know, I'm not, I don't have to be religious to be good. It's like human wise, person to person, you might be a great person. There's a lot of wonderful people out there. There's people that are not even Christians and they're, they act better than some Christians I know. That's real. That's, that's a real thing. But are they living under the conviction of the fact that God is right and God is real and God is who he says he is? Oh, if they no. don't, and if they don't, it's like, we're, we're held captive. And that's slavery to sin, that, that slavery to that mental corruption, that spiritual corruption, that just leads the lives of millions and millions upon millions of people, billions. We've got billions of people on this planet. Leads the lives of all people until they come to Christ. So it doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter how we're behaving. It's like if we are not aligned to the truth, one day the truth is going to come at us and it's going to face us and it's going to be our judge. And I'm concerned because sometimes people are taught, like, you know, just be good. The be good thing doesn't work. You know, yeah, telling no. people to be good. That's like telling can, evil people to act morally good. right. Yeah. You, you can, can you can act it. You can Anybody be socially can good. You can yeah. be a good citizen, a good neighbor. Um, and at, at the end of the day, your heart in that matter, you're not being good for goodness sake. You're being good out of selfish motives. You're yeah. being good in the sense of if I do good, then good will be done to me. Yeah. You know, that do unto others. Yeah, that's a, that's a good philosophy to live by. And Christ calls all of, all people to live by that philosophy uh, because, you know, his, it's, God doesn't want to see his, his, his creation at war with itself. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that doesn't get you to heaven, you know, that, that, that only gets you societally good. But uh, the heart of the matter is you're not being good. You're not being good for righteousness sake. Um, and it's impossible to do so until God reaches in and grabs your heart of stone and replaces it with his heart of flesh. Grants but, your repentance. Yeah. yeah. But you want to get into the, the divine doctrine of regeneration? If we want to go in. <laughs> no, hey, no, you know, we'll, I, we'll save that for another discussion. <laughs> all we have to go is through, uh, all you got to do is go through a little bit of chapter 6 and 10 of John and just yep. let Jesus speak to you. Just, just yeah. let Jesus' own words speak and it all will become clear. Because once you if, realize, yeah. get to that point where it's not anything of, of your efforts, you become it's so freeing. Yeah. Because then God can do that that work in your life and that's the catch 22 like well god's doing the work before you even do it anyway yeah. so <laughs> before you acknowledge it um, but uh once you when that when that that realization is made and that mental block comes off you read scripture you interact with it on a completely different level it's yeah. not you're not looking for a checklist of what to do and what not to do you're looking for uh, the character of the grace of god and how it how it can reconcile you broken creation to a holy creator god through the person of Christ, you know, then you, you see things differently. Your interactions with people are now different. Because as that said in, in Timothy, uh, you begin to see people as lost, broken, and you begin to pity them in their lost brokenness, and you yeah. begin to yearn for their, their salvation in that. And then you work for righteous good, the, the salvation of your neighbors. Because we're no longer saying, why, 
Well, we could still ask that question, but we already have the answer. We're yeah, no longer yeah, yeah. asking like, why aren't you doing <laughs> like, why aren't you being good? Like that, that yeah. no longer comes up and it's no longer like a solid question to ask without that true answer that breaks that concrete saying, because they're slaves to sin, they're mm -hmm. enslaved to that spiritual death and depravity. They're not able to free themselves, but God can, God may, and we are called to preach, to live and to reach. And we are called to plant with all our heart the seed in whatever way, in whatever fashion, however consistently to those individuals that were given the opportunity and then let God be the one that works in that heart. Uh, sometimes people have that mentality of you should be doing better. And it's like my friend was telling me how he, he's come out of, it, it's funny, he's, he's come out of Pentecostalism. Uh, he's come to a reformed understanding. He's finally come to understand like, wow, um, God really is fully in charge and salvation is not by my water baptism and I'm not kept because I dress good for church. It's like, wow, it, it, like his eyes have been opened up to the clarity and the depth of scripture. And he's remembering and reminding me saying he used to go out and evangelize with some of some of the people from the Pentecostal church. And when they would approach people, for example, that are like Roman Catholics and someone that's in the Roman Catholic group and they're trying to like reach them because predominantly Roman Catholics are either stuck in legalism, idolatry, or in false views about Jesus, about Mary, and about saints. There's, there's uh, many false things that are involved. The majority in are fall into both categories, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, but, um, but he's saying how he was trying to reach, he was trying to explain, try to talk to these Roman Catholics. And one of the people from the group would see that one of the Roman Catholics is like vaping. And the comment that would come out of the Pentecostal side would be like, we're talking about things of God. How dare you be so disrespectful to do something like that? And I'm like, and, and he's explained like, man, that grieved me so much. I can't believe that that conversation fell apart. We were doing well. Then this guy just rebuked him for vaping. And now, now the whole conversation just went down the drain. And he's like, I'm seeing the damage of that mentality of that legalistic mentality and of that expectation, like be good, be good. And I'm seeing that too. It's like when you approach people saying, you know better. Automatically, it's like an assumption that everyone really knows better. It's like, look, I, biblically speaking, everyone knows to some extent, whether it's a shallow or a very deep understanding, like there is more. There's more. I don't know how God puts that knowledge of himself in people. We don't all know inherently that Jesus Christ is Lord or that the Bible is true, but we know that there's something. There's something more. And that's why people yearn and ask those questions. They try to find out what's beyond the stars. What's this? What's that? There's yeah. this yearning. God has put this yearning, this knowledge of, wow, this is more than just, it's there. There's something behind all this. And people have those questions. And then in school, you, kids get taught like, no, you're just a fish with legs. You're just an ape that started speaking. Like we're being taught, no, 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 stop asking yeah. those questions. You're fine. But that yearning is there. And yet- that doesn't mean that the morality and the, the conscience has been renewed. So people don't know better. Like, oh, you should know better. You should act better. It's like people don't know because society They don't have the speaking, ability to know better. Nah. Um, they, people want what they do not understand. Yeah. Um, the idea that we can know anything. And, and this goes to the presuppositionalist argument, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Proverbs, um, you know, the, the, the beginning of knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord. Um, anything that we can actually truly know, we must first understand and acknowledge God's existence, presence, and, and divine nature over creation. We have to 
um, all knowledge comes out of understanding the sovereignty of God, truly. Uh, or there's no real reason in seeking out any any knowledge beyond what I can see and know here in the here and now. Yeah. Um, anything beyond that is it, it, there's a you know a hate when when you go historically throughout the church in the the 17th and 18th or 16th the 18th and 19th centuries you see the philosophical movement kind of work its way into rationalism work its way into church theology and that was the great downfall of of uh, Calvinism as a whole as established in societies because people began to believe that oh if I can rationalize this then i can make sense of it and i don't have to believe what i used to believe yeah and they're using false rationalizations for those arguments but people want to um we have a yearning for this this god thing whether it's the true god or some mystic deity or some universe thing um, something greater than ourselves. But we, as a people, we look to things that we can craft and we can create for justifications of our own shortcomings, of our own failures. And in doing so, we can get puffed up in our knowledge of the naturalism, the naturalist way, the deism. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I don't like it, then I'm right. You know? Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, is, there's only one God and he set the standard and he set the, the mold and our wills prior to him bringing his, our wills in line with his are, are at, are hostile towards him. And we don't, we don't like that. We can't be hostile because violence is bad. Yeah. You know, God doesn't like that. Uh, God wouldn't, wouldn't send anybody to hell because God is love, right? Yeah. You know, this, we've created this image of who, or society has created this image of who God is in their, in their image. Yeah. We're re-imaging him. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it always comes down to the fact that God has the, through the efficacy of the Christ has established and called a people unto his own. All peoples are deserving of hell and, and damnation for eternity. Yet God in his infinite grace and mercy calls some to himself by, by no means of them, but because he calls, you know, that's, that's the mystery and that's the blessing. No one deserves it yet. Some are offered, you know, but successfully. Yeah. Yeah. There's a success. I mean, there is that general calling, yeah, you know, outward, all have been calling. called, but few have been chosen. You know, yeah. there's a general calling uh, to repent and believe but, but you have not chosen me. I've God chosen in you. his yeah. in his omnipotence knows and his omniscience knows that there will be those and there are those who are resistant to his will. And so he, as scripture says, he leaves them to their own vices. Yes. At, in his providence too. So <laughs> this is, this is the, the grand, the grand, uh, Thing, um, you know? well, what I was, uh, what I was interested is I've recently found out cause I, I've stayed as much out of focusing on the spiritual perspectives within politics. Mm. Uh, like I, I, I didn't really take seriously any of the public professions of faith going on in politics because I oh, see yeah. the behavior. So I'm like, I'm not investing time into studying that. I'm just going to keep studying doctrine and spending time and reaching out. Um, 
but someone brought it to my attention. I didn't know this. I didn't know what this was. And I just found out like a week ago. I don't know if it's, there's a word for it, if it's pronounced, but it's Q-A-N-O-N. I don't know if it's like Canon. Q-A-N-O-N. Q-A-N-O-N. Okay. I found out that's a thing and I looked into it where it started Dude, in 2017. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not searching <laughs> in. I just, I, I got a brief definition of where it came from, came from some sort of a chat, some sort of a dark chat. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah. Someone brought something up, said that they got this kind of uh, authority to say it. And then it went down this whole trail of people are now praising or were, were praising uh, to my understanding, Donald Trump as the new about to be, sent by Jesus, savior of America. Now, my concern yeah. is the fact that I've actually met people like where I'm in Starbucks having a study with a friend and then someone comes and says, hey, what are you studying? And they kind of tell them we're studying whatever. And um, they're like, oh yeah, you know, and they said something about, you know, Donald Trump's been chosen. I'm like, well, you know, there's a purpose for why he is where he is or what he's doing, what he's doing. But what do you mean chosen? I'm like, well, you know, he's a, he's an apostle. He's a, he's had visions of Jesus. I'm like, I don't, you know, he hasn't had visions of Jesus. I'll tell you that he's not an apostle. That's an apostle in the Bible. That guy's ready to write scripture. That's Donald Trump doesn't have that right or privilege. There are no apostles. That's the beginning of the founding of the church. That's the apostles and prophets. And they went on this thing and they ended up like <laughs> arguing against me. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm trying to continue my Bible study and I'd love to. And this, this gentleman that I'm working with, just, just working through some of these basic doctrines, mm-hmm. had this pause in front of him of someone trying to demand or have me agree with them that Donald Trump is like the next apostle. As, and I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know that that's, that's the power behind those beliefs. I didn't know people actually say that like actually it talk started about it. as a back room dark web chat about inner workings of exposing satanism in high yeah. higher elected and officials that's always, and it's always going on yeah. um but yeah that's the thing is it's all hokey pokey stuff i looked at it i went to the website i read through some of the stuff and some of it is pretty intense didn't know there was an actual full-on movement behind that belief and i was kind oh, of surprised dude, to see like it's insane I was I was I was approached by this in public, and I was like, <laughs> trying to be like, that's it's not, not that's as not what's happening. It's not as big as the news would like you to think it is, and it's not taken as serious as the news would like the. Uh, so the news is biased, you know. That's everyone knows that, and so when you have uh, one news is fighting against another news organization, they're going to be you know, calling each other idiots. Well, anytime that political ideology rears any head that looks stupid to the other, they're going to get highlighted no matter how big that head is. And so to the left, this whole idea of QAnon with the right, it was just shooting fish in a barrel. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like it was, it's an easy target. It's odd it's, to see that because if that's oh, if that's yeah. what we have going on in the church, that means people are really, really looking for uh, who is it? Just the Just Thinking podcast. Uh, Daryl Harrison said, you know, um, our uh, our savior is not going to come from Capitol Hill. Oh no, like, by no means. Not, you don't you don't elect the savior. 
<laughs> he's, he's there. He's who he is. Like he's sent. You know, some people believe America <laughs> is spoken of in the prophecy and Daniel and Revelation. Not America in and of itself, yeah. but she, but the nation is spoken of as uh, an amalgam of something else. Um, I I don't like to think that highly of us. You know, mm-hmm. we want to think highly of us because we're America. And I've, I've, dude, a five-year Marine Corps veteran. I love America. But I love my Christ more. I love my God more. And I understand that nations come and they go. Yeah. You know, people groups come and they go. I'm not going to liken America as to some divinely uh, established entity that's going to bring about the reconciliation of the world on the behalf of God. I'm not, I will not fall in that camp. If it happens, by all means, good job. It's fantastic. But I'm not going to lead others into that thinking because what happens when the day comes when America is decimated? Yeah. And where are you standing? Well, I think it's people really think they have to bring about a prophecy or they have to bring about these results. It's like, look, God's going to bring this about anyway. Our main priority as believers in Christ is to let people know and to live it so that we're not Mm -hmm. hypocrites while we do it. Whatever's going to happen around us, it's going to happen. I mean, when, when, uh, when Israel was taken away to Babylon, they were told, you know, pray for the nation that you're in so that you may, you know, so you may prosper there. Like just live in the circumstance God has given you, know God, follow God, honor God, and things will go as they will. No matter what, even in a time of temporary punishment for Israel, mm-hmm. they were told, pray for the, for, the, for the nation so that it may prosper while you're there. Because why wouldn't you? You're in a certain place. What are you going to pray against it? Like you're going to pray against the place that you're in? Our responsibility is not to like take God's hand from heaven and pull it down and make it do things. Our prayers don't do that, and our things don't do that. Like it, it's something that He does, and we're we're responsible. Go for it. It falls down to who's sovereign: man, sovereign, God, sovereign. Do we do we get to play God? Are we the mediators of God? on this earth no christ was he was the yeah. mediator which was the go-between he wasn't the, the 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 facilitator of god he was the the go-between between creation and god um but we want to be i mean listen listen how people pray next time you you you're you see um some celebrity praying or or some politician praying listen to how they pray they pray as if God is waiting for them to give him permission to move mm-hmm. on, on our behalf. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. That's not how it operates. I'm concerned when I see that making its way into actual, the hearts of real Christians when they begin to follow into some, some of those things. Because real Christians could get misled into all sorts of weird things and realizing, wow, there's... Dude, look at Pelagianism. Not, yeah, yeah. And you want to talk about what is, per, I think... QAnon is small potatoes compared to other actual heretical things that have worked its way into the the, yeah. the big church. You know, um, the, yeah, you have all you those let, things yeah. that that the church in our two thousand year history has already put that to bed. But because people are hesitant or uh, in blatant disregard of what the church has already been through and had established as truths through Scripture, we're seeing all these things resurface. Yeah, uh, and it, it's kind of wild. Um, I don't, I don't like. I'm a political guy. I like politics. I, I think it's interesting. I like to stay, stay, you know, connected. But I don't, I don't push it over uh, religion by by no means. Now, 
there are certain stances that I, I personally am convicted in the belief that you cannot be a Christian and think blah, 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 and believe this is okay. But, again, I don't believe that they, most people are in a position to, to read and understand Scripture and life in the same sense that I am. So I have to take it with a grain of salt because at one point, as uh, Paul says to Timothy, we have to remember that we were once there as well. Yeah. As by the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The QAnon stuff is funny. It's to me, it's comical. I think it's hilarious. Not in the sense like. Watch reruns uh, of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it's hilarious that, that, that people can get so gripped. Yeah. With a, a with a belief in something, whether they believe it true or believe it actually is, that they can they can let that thought process just encompass their lives so intensely, yet to have them crack open the Word of God and yeah, give talk it the about, same. Talk about being not conformed to the world. I mean, that's, oh my goodness, that's yes, blatantly goes against it. I mean, if we need to if we need to turn on the TV and see what's going on in the world before we can decide whether or not today's going to be a good day, I think we're already on the wrong track. I mean, if you wake up and you still know Christ is King, you're already on the right track, bend your knees and honor yeah. his Lord and open make time for the word of God, spend time in that. But if we have to like search through and scroll through something in order to see, is everything still okay? It's like, well, when was it okay? When was the world doing well? I mean, the world has been going in a downfall position the entire time Christ came mm-hmm. into into the span of time. He came into our reality. He, he brought about his work, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of that in the middle of a world that is truly tumbling down according to God's plan and will all mm-hmm. within his grip. And it's going to roll into that right place and result. Yeah. The world's not going to be our distinguisher of how things are going. I mean, the scriptures tell us everything's going to get worse and worse and worse. It's just going to get worse. People I mean, academia even has an idea for it. It's a second law of thermodynamics, you know, Newton's laws, you know, uh-huh. that matter doesn't get better. It, it slowly degrades over time that it can't improve upon itself. Uh, and that in and of itself is creation. Yeah. Once, once I, I believe that that law went into effect the moment that Eve ate that fruit and gave it to her husband. You know, is from that moment in time, sin permeated all of creation. Yeah. Therefore, it's all dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we want to, we want to be the uh, the saviors. We want to be the the protectors, the, the arbiters score, of our. Yeah. We want to score. Everyone wants to score the touchdown. Everybody yeah, wants yeah, to yeah, yeah. be the first one. They want to be handed the trophy. Uh, that's just our human pride. It's just. Uh, it's terrible to see what it actually does to individuals and how it affects evangelism. I mean, in general, you have to get sometimes past so many different beliefs just to clarify the gospel. I mean, you got to actually work through that. There's times I'll come up to someone, I have to explain to them why even how they view the gospel might be wrong. If they're like, you know what, I'm saved. I got baptized. It's like, but are, right now, are you, are you walking with Christ? Is he your king? And they'll be like, no, I don't read yeah. the Bible anymore. It's like, you don't seem to be saved in any fashion other than a baptism that happened back then. Uh, there's a lot of people that walk in, in and out of church. They walk in and out of all the ceremonies, but they don't actually have Christ as King. Having to actually explain, like, well, that's not what being saved is. I, I've I've understood also that generally speaking, in Roman Catholicism, being born again is actually related to the physical act of water baptism. So if you ask someone, sometimes some Roman Catholics, 
uh, you, you might say, like, hey, have you been born again? And they'll say, yes. What they actually mean in many cases is I've actually been baptized. There's, there's no reference to the actual regeneration of the heart and the renewal of the spirit and mind. There's, there's no actual, like, I'm connected to Christ with my convictions by his Holy Spirit. I actually know God and he knows me. Like, th that's not an actual aspect to it. Being born again for them, nomenclature-wise, like, just water baptism. So we always well, have to define terms. This is one of those things where history comes into play. Um, so pedo-baptism, baby baptism yeah. comes from, that's a Catholic catholic catholicism thing and that really um beyond just catholicism that's a very anglican thing by the church of england you know as they separate as they're trying to be different but they're still catholic and in, in church history but what was happening at that time is during the early reformation where they wanted to break away from the pedo baptism they realized that that is what made you a citizen of the state is was an earmark it was almost like we get a, a birth certificate now you know um to them it was being baptized because they were a, a a church state um and so they wanted to the reformers and then that's where the 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 reformed presbyterians still you know do the pedo baptism today which it's neither here nor there um in the sense of who's right or who's wrong um but it's like it's an idea that the the catholic church held on to strictly for state government mm -hmm. not church yeah. uh, membership so to speak and then it, you fast forward you know five six hundred years and then now you see it sprinkling you know that whole thing and yeah. people do it because it's what their family does because they're catholic without even realizing what are you what is it that you're doing do you even know where this comes from do you know the history behind it you know it's not a scriptural thing right you, you get that that this isn't what that is and uh but it's it's one of those things where uh the the act in and of itself yes no doesn't hold any more weight and or any extra weight to it than than it's just uh a discipline that we do once we're saved but it is an earmark for the christian saying hey i haven't met i haven't met a single person who once god has really taken hold of their heart that doesn't want to get baptized i've never met a person it's spirit led. I mean, you should. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, it goes to that argument. Faith that works is dead. So does that mean that you have to have works to have faith? No, it's saying that if you don't have works, then I can tell that you don't have faith. You know, it's, it, it, it's that, that thing that comes from this thing. So if I, if I hit my accelerator real hard in my truck, I'm going to burn out. But that yeah. burnout is just a, a, a thing that is, that bears witness to, me slamming on the accelerator you know it's one of those things it's that causal relationship um but you know pe people don't think about it like that they don't think things through as to why we do things or, or what well, if, you, if we just separate. look at it it's just easy to be told you're on your way yeah it's very easy to be told that because then if you're on your way and if someone can pray you out of purgatory you're fine you live whatever life you want and someone's oh, yeah. gonna pray you out and you'll be fine. That's the mentality. But that that's you know, there's no there's no God in that, there's no real faith in that, there's no love, there's no humility, there's no selflessness, there's all world, all me, I'm fine, everything's good. It's like that's that's not the gospel. So there's a lot of times when you're when you're approaching someone, you have to identify why the belief there might already be coming from is false. So that's why people need to to some extent be schooled up on some of the false views around them. Like mm -hmm. I know that I, I I'm intentionally schooled up. 
some in some varying degrees and Mormonism, Jehovah Witness. I'm I'm more schooled up in Mormonism than I am in Jehovah Witnesses because I encounter more Mormons. I'm, yeah, I think I'm blacklisted by the Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> but but the Mormon the uh, the Mormon Church uh, Latter Day Saints they still come to my house either try to sell me solar panels or something, and I welcome them in. I'm happy because I love solar to talk panels? to. Yeah, sometimes uh, what I found <laughs> it's interesting. What I found I think it's a great evangelistic tool. I wish they just had the right gospel. Um, they they often find employment which will make their way into people's lives and homes. I think that's mm-hmm. excellent. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, a lot of the solar panel companies, multiple different ones here in Yuma, uh, when they come up, I immediately uh, start to ask them like, are you Mormon? And they'll just be like, yeah. I'm like, wow, great. You're like the fifth Mormon in the row that's tried to sell me solar, solar panels. Come on <laughs> in, let's talk. And, I, and I'm just grateful because I know their theology, I know their views and their stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just, it's like, I, I know what, what obstacles I would need to overcome theologically for them so that they mm-hmm. could see like, here's, here's what it means to be saved by grace without any of your works. It's not what second Nephi says, you know, after you do everything you can do, then the grace of God saves you. That's not it. It's Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. Without works, without anything, totally a gift. It's by grace you're saved through faith, not mm-hmm. of works, lest anyone should boast. So just uh, being schooled up on some of the theology of, of what's going on around us, I think it's, I think it's necessary for basic yeah. Christians. Oh, yeah. Because there's some that think, you know, all I need to know is Bible. I'm like, yes, you do. But because of how much people twist Bible, you should know why they're twisting it or what's going on so that maybe you can help to untwist them correctly. If they're like a really freshly twisted pretzel bagel, you got to help them them correctly to untwist. And why are they twisting this? And where are they getting those views? I mean, we're uh, called to give a ready defense. You can't, you can't prepare a defense if you don't know how you're going to be attacked. You don't know the, the offense, you know, that's, that's. You think of any sports metaphor, uh, war metaphor, anything out there. To be able to defend, you have to know the offensive strategy. Yeah. So you can build a counter defensive strategy. You have to. That's that's part of uh, of being uh, of being defensive. And we as Christians are called to give be able to give a ready defense of our faith. Again, Paul mm-hmm. to Timothy, be you know, be ready at all times. Um, that doesn't mean. Well, after I've learned something or after, you know, or I'll be ready to talk just this subject or tackle yeah. just this thing. Like, no, if you have a, a basic, uh, you know, summarization of, of a good doctrine or theology uh, and an understanding of what scripture says and how to get from point A to point B scripturally, then, you know, that's, that's a good standard uh, starting point. But you have to, you know, as you said, you, you deal with Mormons. Yeah. On, on the regular. So you have to be ready in your area to defend against the heresy of Mormonism. Yeah. Um, and like here, we don't have a ton of Mormons, but as I said, we have a lot of um, conservative Republicans who, who, you know, line up yeah. with the QAnon stuff. So I have to be ready to face against that, you know, not saying that they're bad people or, you know, and that, what they what they want to believe or what they believe in in and of itself is bad, but how they got to those rationalizations are yeah. bad, you know, because it's apart from Christ and apart from Scripture. Um, but yeah, you, you have to be ready and you have to know your people where you're at in your local community. Yeah. And that's and I think that's one of Paul's uh, most beautiful things is everywhere he went, it, you, you notice that he 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 knew what was going on. He knew he the really heart of the culture up, yeah. and society he, within that area. He even knew their pagan theology. To, oh, to yeah, better than extent. most of them. 
He was you know, able to quote I, I their love own writers, their own philosophers. He was able to quote them. It's like, wow, yeah. if we would just be able to quote some of the heresies around us so that we know how to rightly battle against it. It's like, mm-hmm. like I know in Mormonism, for example, one of the things that Joseph Smith taught was that, you know, um, he would say something and, and it's been repeated by their now they have ongoing prophets that keep yep, yep, rising yep. up. Um, and it's like, you know, what, what God is man once was and what man is, wait, uh, yeah, what God is, man can be. What man is, God once was. That's the theology, yeah. that whoever it is that created this world was once a man on another planet, and he elevated to Godhood, and now we too can elevate to Godhood. And it's like, if we know that, then you realize that when someone comes to you with Mormon doctrine, they're really coming to you eventually to say you can become God and own your own planet. But they won't say that flat out. They won't say it right away. And that's why I usually when I'm when I'm dealing sometimes, I, I'll be like, hey, are you willing to actually talk or are you just here to tell me something and then walk away? Because if you're yeah. willing to talk, we'll talk. But if not, I'll just tell you, do you realize that you're not going to become a God because the Bible says something very different? Like but I'll throw those is, main teachings right out there. This I've is the that. easiest. And this is, I've, I've had, there is, we have a Mormon temple that's not too far from my house. Not very big. There's not very many Mormons around here, but um, they, they've stopped coming to my house. They've stopped asking me questions. And they used to reach out to me on Facebook just because they would just do this mega blast because that's how they do. Yeah. You know, in Nephi, 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 Nephi however you say, Nephi, Nephi yeah. when it talks about, you know, do what you can do. And then mm-hmm. once you've done all the good works that you can do, then God will, will restore you. Right. And it's yeah. like, okay, so you take that thing. What is a good work? And it's like, well, a good work is doing things without getting anything in return. Yeah. It's like, okay, so you are doing that good work so that God can finish the rest of the work so that you can be elevated to a God status, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore you aren't doing a good work for righteousness. Like you're doing good work in, in hopes of a return on that work or a reward for your work. Therefore there is no work that one can do for based on your understanding of anything that is good works. And it's, it's that rational, logical argument. And you, you have that argument with them like, well, you know, it's, it's like, well, no, you can't. You, that's an unwinnable argument on their, on their front. Yeah. And, and they're locked up. Uh, anyone that believes in that, anyone that believes in something that you have to earn and you have to work for, basically all, all that you're doing is always going to be filled with either anxiety or uncertainty. And that's, that's a terrible that's a terrible place to have when, when you'd say you have faith in God and his eternity and his wonderful grace. I mean, to, to think, you know, now you have to match up, don't mess up. That's a terrible place to work from. Imagine walking in the Lord on eggshells because you're afraid that he'll kick you out of wherever you're at with him. That's, that's the anxiety that comes from beliefs where people say, you know, you can lose your salvation if you stop doing this or you stop doing that. It's like, that's not how the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that mm-hmm. if you stop walking with Christ and you turn about face, walk away, you show yourself to have never been in the faith, or you show yourself to have been an idiot for a short period of time, because then you come back realizing you were just dumb. You made some bad choices. Real Christians sin, but real Christians don't reject God, walk away and fully embrace the world again. They, they, they can't. They have the spirit of God in them. They have convictions. They have a newfound life and desire and trajectory and inclinations that are towards God and his word. So when, when people are taught like, hey, you can mess up, I just see anxiety. I see a lot of worry and panic in those, in those Christians. And that's, that's disappointing, disheartening, to Here's say the, thing. the least. Yeah. For those 
who the the once the he's he believed that oh. there is a, a falling away from salvation. Yeah. Hebrews six, four, right? When we read Paul, we have to understand that Paul isn't Hey, hey, hey. Who said it's Paul? Uh yeah. The unknown author. Okay. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. But go. it's it's written in the same um thread almost as if it was Paul, somebody mm-hmm. who either was Paul himself or somebody who was very close to Paul in, in, in that teaching style. It wasn't Peter. This isn't Peter's way of yeah, speaking. Yeah. We know that for a fact. Uh, but it, he, he, Paul speaks of uh, almost like a catch 22 type of deal. You know, he's not saying, well, this is true. This is reality. But if it was true, this is this wouldn't work. Right. And and verse four says, for it is impossible in the case of those who have been once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age. I skip one who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. So anyone who wants to say Arminian, right, who you can lose your salvation, it's like, well, see there, it says they can fall away. It's like, no, it's impossible for them to fall fall away once they have been enlightened because it would be them crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt, saying that the efficacy of the cross is was was false the first time. And now it's righteous the second time? No, it's not how it works. It, it's either full and effective and powerful uh, according to the will of God, you know, because Jesus went weeping essentially to the cross, uh, but not my will, but yours. You know, and the efficacy behind that establishes that it was powerful and effective to an end. To what end? Scripture clearly lays it out. To redeem those that were predestined. Yeah, elect. But you can't say that. Oh, because then that means some people might not get it. And Paul speaks about that too. He's it like, was effective it, for all those that would one day put their trust in Christ. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but Paul even speaks about. It. He's like, I will suffer hell for you. Yeah. I can't remember exactly where it's at or how he words it, but I was just like, man, after I come to this understanding, this reformed understanding, I was like, man, he's that's him is saying that if if it's not me who's elect. Yeah, I am the, the, the harbinger or the one who's bringing the gospel to you, and then you become elect. I will suffer eternity knowing that you have been redeemed because Paul knew where he stood and what he deserved, rightly. Yeah. The problem is, is we think we don't deserve hell. That's where it boils down to. Anyone who, who believes against that predestination, that elect, believes truly they won't admit it well you'll never get them to admit it but they believe in their hearts because i used to be there i was raised wesleyan dude i mm-hmm. used to be there they believe they don't deserve hell because of something they have done mm-hmm. it's very works based but at the end of the day we all deserve hell it's just how it well, is i mean if eating fruit earns hell then we should, <laughs> we should kind of be mindful of that i, I think it's, it's because um when we don't when we don't look at what is the what is the purpose, the unbreakable purpose of life? And it's not, you know, be good, be happy. The unbreakable and the unchanging purpose and meaning of all creation, all life is for the glory of God. So when we do things that are not for the glory of God, there is no reason for God to sustain it and say, I'm going to keep that anyway. It's like he, he didn't make it to be like, you know, this could work out for my glory. This could just work out to be something flopping over there on the side and I'll just let it continue to live. I'll keep feeding it life even though it is 
against me it is opposed to me no god did, did not create this world and all things to just one or the other either it's going to be for his glory which is right and true or it's going to sit over there offending him and he's just going to continue to and just fill it with the life and existence and continue to sustain it. He's just going to eliminate anything that goes against him. If I work in a business and something comes out, the product is not to, up to par, I don't have to send it out and say, okay, you're going to go out there anyway. No, you're going to get put away. Whatever it is, you're going to get destroyed and I'm going to mm -hmm. produce more. Sometimes people don't view that. They're like, no, I'm not doing that bad. It's like, but you're not doing what you've been created to do. Nobody is. So we either yeah. come to Christ asking and pleading for that mercy that we've either trusted in or we're going to continue to live against him saying i don't deserve a punishment i am okay i'm not like the criminal i'm not like this but that's like the pharisee with the tax collector i'm not like the tax collector but the pharisee is the one that thought he was something special the tax collector is the one that realized he wasn't and he walked out justified the pharisee walked out without that justification we have to view ourselves as we actually are and when you oh, yeah. compare a good person or a socially good person to an obviously bad person, God still sees both of them as sinners. Oh yeah. Our, our righteousness why, are, is about filthy rags. You why, know? That's why, that's why Jesus said, you know, even if you hate in your heart, you and the murderer are going to stand on the same ground, guilty of the same sin, murder, maybe not murder in the act, but murder in the heart, which is enough because God mm -hmm. judges the heart. We, we view things way too biasly. Like we just do that. And you know, I'm good because of this. If we would just see things clearly, we would not be so proud. We'd really be able to say, like, I am the worst of sinners. We'd be able to say what Paul says. Yeah. We'd be able to say, I am the worst of sinners. He calls himself the chief of sinners. He does. But I think every Christian that evaluates himself should be able to say that of themselves. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be able to say, I'm the second chief because Paul's definitely the first. Like, no, we are all in our own hearts and minds if we view ourselves realizing there's there are spurious thoughts that pop up through our heads. There are blasphemous ideas. There are self-elevating ideas all throughout the day that we battle against, we welcome, we entertain sometimes, we struggle with, we're tempted by. If we just know our own hearts and minds, we'd be able to say, I'm the worst. Look at the grace that God has given me and look at what goes on in my mind sometimes. Look at what I fight against and what I don't sometimes immediately cast out. Look at what I actually entertain for three yeah. milliseconds. I am the worst. Like we know yeah. our own hearts. If people would just have that mentality, they'd be able to agree with the Bible. But yeah, how about you? Closing argument, closing statement. Bring it on. Dude, I don't know. The last several years has just been, it's been a trip. You know, it's been a journey. Um, again, as I said earlier, I was raised Wesleyan. I grew up in the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana, here in Bell Fountain. Dad served in it. I served in it. I was a youth pastor in it when I got out of the service. And it's amazing when you look back on the things that I fought, the people I fought with, and the ideals that I, I believed. And, and, and the reasons why I was so hesitant wasn't necessarily because I believed them. It was because I had been brought up in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I would say it's been a, a decade of God working on me and, and the proper understanding of scripture. And I'll say really the last five or six years, it's been, I was a, a studying reform, but I wasn't a, a witnessing performed or reformed. Okay. Um, 
in the sense of oh, I was uh, Wesley and I, I Calvinism Calvinists are the bad guys they're the, but they're the enemies they don't they don't know scripture they don't know they they can't know and then uh, it really what really sent me over the edge because you had you had reached out to me um, and you're like who should I he, he's like hey gave me your backstory about you know you were in the the, the apostolic word of faith stuff and you're like where do i go what do i do how do i find it's, just, it's like well dude that's kind of sketch good thing you good thing god brought you out of that where we go from there so i i, I try to send you as much as i could different people to study different things to to that wouldn't over stimulate your brain um and that really sent me because as you were asking questions i was well i have to have an answer for what's he going to ask me next you know it was and there are things that, on on the surface, I knew how to rationalize and explain, um, but I didn't have any real understanding of why I believed it or why I thought it about it that way. No, beyond beyond just plain understanding of scripture. And then there were several things that I realized that I had been taught improperly un, under the context of what scripture was saying. Uh, and so I was I started a deep dive and went like head first into the deep end dude and it's been it's been a really real real really interesting journey and it's it, it came to a culmination really like because i was kind of dancing the line of uh, admittedly being a calvinist but i just say well i'm a i'm a presuppositionalist or i'm a um, uh, I'm a Christian that enjoys reformed theology. Um, I would come up with all these things yeah, to say, yeah, yeah. and I was just like, it was like two months ago. I looked at my wife because she was raised Baptist and uh, from the Reformed Baptist uh, camp, and um, and I looked at her and said, "Candle, I'm a Calvinist." And she's like, "I know," <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I've I've really after like saying it out loud, I've. Uh, dude, I handle scripture differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, like m- more intent behind how I uh, how I am with it. I'm not just doing it to do it. I'm doing it because I yearn to understand what is it, what is the secret here? What is the secret sauce? It's not that secret. It's in the Bible. It's plainly mm-hmm. laid before us. You know, the Creator God wrote us a book about who He is and what He means to do. So why don't we get into it to understand what He wants us to do in response to that? Yeah. Uh, and so, like. Uh, I've had like a a new passion, like a rebirth, like a a reforming of my mind, you know, in in that. But again, it's it's that thing that we have to understand that it is by God's grace and His grace alone that I am who I am and where I am today. Uh, and we're all each and in, individually on that on on that step of that journey, you know, uh, of understanding. Like my dad, he's he's knee deep in Arminianism. Mm-hmm. A very, uh, not not hyper charismatic, but kind of leaning that direction. And so sometimes it's hard to have a conversation with him. Um, that is like we're really passionate. I mean, I have to because he's my dad, he's my father, and I care about his eternal salvation. I'm not saying he's not saved, but I I want him. He just got ordained as a as a minister at, at Anderson Indiana Church of God a couple years ago. And I want him to utilize his platform in the best way that he can. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's been a wild journey. Yeah. And you know, 
as, as August St. Augustine said, uh, I can't remember. I'm going to paraphrase. Um, that's what I say when I forget the quote. <laughs> yeah. But essentially he's on a, he's on a boat out in the ocean somewhere and he looks into the depths of the waters and he, he says the, 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 the deepness of God's word is deeper than the deepest ocean. Essentially, yeah. I can't remember exactly how he worded. How deep is 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 the, the truth of the, of the scriptures? And, you know, and, and when you begin to look at it that way, like I used to read Bible just to fill my head with knowledge, mm-hmm. and now I read the Bible so that I can understand that there's not there's no amount of space in my brain to be able to handle all that knowledge but oh just the beauty of it just yeah. just to be, to be able to take a cup of water from that ocean of the knowledge of god is just beauty enough in and of itself and so i just want to dip my cup in into the wealth and, and the depth that is the scriptures so that i can pour it out you know as we pour into others um, but that's that that, that there's my 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 good, statement good clothing, of closing statement. Uh, that's a that's a good solid statement. Uh, I think that's a that's a good place to be. Semper semper reformanda, like just always reforming, yep. always growing, yep. always always being stretched. And I see that. Uh, I see that the more that we walk towards Christ, um, we should hold more and more value for His Word and anything that accompanies and helps us to better understand. And that's why I like books, but they must point me to the Bible or else I'm mm-hmm. on the wrong track. Oh yeah. There are some yeah, people like, that like kind of, for some reason, they, get they hate so into the creeds studies. and the confessions and, or yeah. they, they get so into them that they don't understand the yeah. authority. That, from like, that. All right, I don't need the Bible anymore. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, <laughs> you've fallen off the track, my friend, the Bible's the reason the creeds exist and it should be what you're always pointed to. So uh, that's why I like the, I have the Reformation study Bible. It's the heritage Reformation study Bible. And uh, it has the creeds, confessions, and in every single one of them at the bottom, it gives various multiple references in the Bible where you'd find those, mm-hmm. those proofs, proof texts. And I love That's... just going through one creed at a time or one confession or one catechismal statement and just studying through the word where that is and just getting all the content. That, that's hours of study right there, just one question. Dude, I'm telling you, if you've got, I think it's still, it might still be $50, maybe not. I don't know. If you've got, I'll have to look it up, but. Logos. If you don't know what that is, that's that study software that you get for your computer. Um, yeah, that's the one you showed me when your computer froze. Oh my gosh, it is freaking fantastic! Because I have, I have the hard copy of the Reformation Study Bible that I like to that I do my morning readings in and stuff. But I have it on here in digital format too, and it's a software that you can pull up however many windows you want. You can look. You can take the Greek lexicon and look at that. And you can highlight and pull everything, but it has the 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 notes from the Reformation Study Bible. So it's not a Bible; it's just the notes. So on one side, I have the ESV, and then the the Study Bible on the other side. You can't see my hands. Let me show you. Here I am. Um, And so I have one on one side and one on the other. You know what movie? (laughs) I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, But it has all the the creeds and catechisms and confessions in the back. And okay. And. as because I'm a friend of mine pastors a, another church a reformed church here locally about 10 minutes away from my house and um, every other Sunday night they're working through this 1689 Baptist confession and so as I'm looking through this as I'm working through it I can go through on my computer and pull up the 1689 on the digital format and and it'll have all those hyperlinks and mm-hmm. I click on the link to the scripture and it goes uh, okay, right okay. to that scripture I don't have to like 
to the arduous task of you know turning a page and he, I just click a button and it there well, it that's is. Why, that's why I just oh, actually I have seventeen Bibles on the floor and each one's open. <laughs> I know. I mean, you see my bookshelf back here. There's yeah. like, like half of those are Bibles. Just yeah. so, you see, so I, <laughs> I need bigger bookshelf space. And I've already talked. My, to my, my wife. wife built mine. My wife built mine, and it's incredible. I mean, right here I have my Bibles and some of my systematics, but over there is all my commentaries right now. But yeah, dude, I'm telling you, this this Logos software, I I I can't write a sermon now without this. Like I am crippled. Like I can, but like this makes it so so much nicer. And I could just like put study points and stuff and just hit save and it saves this study session and less glitches. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh now I'm dumb. My brain doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, this is a bible yeah <laughs> start from scratch uh all right yeah next time uh we'll, you know next time we might be able to go through one of the maybe one of the creeds or one of the one of the questions that'd be good you want to work through the, the larger catechism westminster that'd be nice. that's heavy stuff because when you look at these creeds and confessions they they aren't authoritative they get their authority from the scripture yeah and and looking and going through this and breaking it down as to why this is what they believe yeah. and why we believe this today as orthodoxy um it's straight scripture there and there's no argument against these things that's why they exist they they came out of a time of great turmoil for the yeah. protestant faith uh of okay we're they, saying they were a we don't it's like, okay, we don't align with the Catholic Church, so what do we believe? And so that's when you see a ton of heresies coming out. Oh, yeah. Like, well, if it's anything to do with Catholicism, we don't want anything to do with it. Uh, and then you have that whole sect and the antinomianism and, and all that stuff really takes, takes hold there. And then you have the Anabaptists, right, that were like burning places to the ground. You know, they were being wild. And so as you see that taking place and then, okay, we need to sit down while this is, this stuff is being written, it is still illegal in the land. And so they're doing this in secret. Mm -hmm. And if the state government knew that this was happening, they were all burned at the stake. A lot of these guys were. Yeah. Um, but it took a lot, it took a lot to get the truth out and for people to just like, Oh, I don't do confessions. <laughs> like you don't, you know, if, if only you understood. Yeah. Why? Well, if you if you read enough of the word, you, you should be able to come out with your own confession. Oh, like it, you well, should be able to either come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like yes, oh, yeah. Here's something new. No, no. <laughs> no, we're talking about like this is God's got a new word for you today. Exactly. Well, that's that's sorry, Stephen. That he doesn't. Thing. He doesn't. He, nothing Larry. new. <laughs> nothing. Nothing new under the sun for us. Uh, but uh, yeah, next time we'll we'll definitely we'll choose a question. We'll go through it, and there'll be plenty to go back and forth. That'll be good. Be, yeah, it'll be fun. But we'll plan this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. This this is a blessing. I mean, I just love for us to get into the word and kind of hit on some of the topics that are going around. On, it is us. better with a camera. It is. Um, I mean, I'm way more I structured camera, when I can see yeah, myself. I had the camera and you didn't, so I was just looking at a blank screen the whole time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but this one's oh, good. Gosh. So uh, after we close out, I'll just text you and I'll get the MP MP4 from you, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Milk and Meat Podcast. God bless you guys. Because I be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and
gravity and satellite.